Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how to overcome emotional pain, how to feel emotionally safe, and how to overcome a victim mentality. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Poonam Bukhar. Poonam is a successful lawyer and the author of Safe from the Pain. She is also a speaker on overcoming trauma and emotional pain in order to live a happy, fulfilled life. She has personally experienced a multitude of painful challenges, such as sexual assault, abuse, divorce, attempted suicide, and cultural humiliation. Throughout her journey, she developed the SAFE method to help others acknowledge, discuss, and grow from their emotional pain. You can learn more about Poonam at her website, EmotionallySafe.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Poonam. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Everything that you do with Mindful Intelligence, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. I thank you. And the reason that my show is wonderful, because I think it is, is because of guests like you who bring such beautiful quality content, something that makes people better for investing the time to listen. So I really appreciate you being here. And I'm excited to discuss going beyond survival. Because when we are experiencing a traumatic experience, the top priority is survival. It is physical survival. We just need to get through this into the other side. But there's a whole other level of actually healing and being able to live a joyful life again. Yes, we're alive, but are we happy? Are we fulfilled? Are we safe? And I love that you talk about that idea of emotional safety. So I'd like to go there, that survival and then that healing. Would you mind starting with your story? I, I, I kind of gave a brief overview, but I'm sure I didn't really, didn't really grasp the, all of the things that you have endured so that we can feel like, you know, Punam is someone who gets it. She really understands what it's like to be in a horrible situation and need to be able to get through it because that's the first step and then has learned how to heal from it so that you can be happy. So let's hear about your story. Sure, Linda, and um, thank you again. So I basically um, was sexually assaulted when I was 13 years old, oh. um, and for various reasons, because of, I would say, potential bullying at school as a result of people finding out, um, I ended, and my lack of self-worth, and the way that I was feeling and not being able to express it, even though I had extremely supportive parents, led me to committing suicide. Um, and obviously I'm okay and I'm alive, but it was a traumatic time in my life. And I went to therapy, I moved on, I went on to a different school, but I think it carried with me a very, uh, it created a very insecure feeling in me. I wouldn't say necessarily fear, but I felt like because what happened to me and because of the opinions that were being formed by my schoolmates, um, that I was less than anybody else, um, that I was tainted. 
And I carried that feeling without actually realizing subconsciously for a number of years. And that feeling of less than led me to have an arranged marriage, which not one that my parents forced me to have, but one that I agreed to having. And at, at some point, my mom said, I don't know if this is the right family for you. And I fought it and I forged ahead, even knowing in my gut that this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I stayed in the marriage for about 13 years. I have two beautiful children. On a number of occasions, I should have come out of that marriage, and I didn't um, for a multitude of reasons. I came out of the marriage. I was in a foreign country. I was in the U.S. I did not have family here at the time. I had two children at the age of four and six. I was a lawyer but had taken a back seat in my career um, because my husband, husband at the time made more money and I you know I'm grateful that I had that time with the kids where I could be home and work 20 hours a week so all of a sudden I was in this environment where I had this huge house um, I'd only been working 20 hours a week we bought the house at the peak of 2007 but as you know after 2008 the market took a tank so the house was underwater I had two kids. I had to go back to work and continue to pay my 50%. I did get alimony and for a lack of being, you know, able to balance a checkbook and in trying to save that house, I withered that money away um, in trying to save something that I probably should have left. Um, thereafter, after the divorce, I ended up having a very short-term marriage afterwards that again, the day of the wedding, I didn't listen to myself that I knew was incorrect, which ultimately led me to leaving after about three months. And I had, um, well, six months, I'm sorry. And I had, um, I'd gone through two strokes. I had, I was paralyzed for 10 days. When I left the hospital, I didn't know if I'd be able to walk. Um, I've had multiple surgeries since then. But I have, in the last seven or eight years, been on a spiritual journey and understood that in one of the hardest ways through financial loss, loss of family, loss of health. Um, and when I say loss of family, I mean my my you know husband and my kids are with me but you know not my family in London and stuff but it's led to me understanding through my spiritual journey and me questioning the meaning of life that life can be beautiful and Linda as you said we kick into survival mode because that's all we're taught to do, right? We're taught to pull up our socks and move on, but we're not really taught how to get through it. And through my journey, that's where I developed the SAFE method um, in trying to be emotionally safe, have those conversations with our kids, with our parents, with adults, free and clear of judgment. And I think the saddest thing that I found was our emotional well-being is so critical to every aspect of our life, to our jobs, to our children, to our spouses, to our other family members. Yet it is one thing that we tend to neglect the most. We'll go to the gym. We'll get our cars annually checked. We'll get a health check, a physical check. 
but I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to write this book was because I was so lost and even if I can reach out to one person and help them not feel the way that I did to me then all this is worth it because it, it is something that we need to start focusing on our emotional and mental well-being wow okay there's so many things here I want to go back just a little bit to you're 13 and you have been assaulted. And I don't know if this was a family member, someone that you knew, or if it was a stranger and a, a, a trauma that way. But in addition to dealing with the trauma, then you had that additional burden of feeling judged and feeling less than. And I think when we experience something like a sexual trauma, all of those feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm dirty, I'm tainted, are, are strong on the inside. It's a, it's a reflexive response. And then if that's compounded with feeling that from the outside, that is an incredibly heavy burden to carry. And part of the things that you talked about were, were, were cultural issues and feeling that judgment from the outside and trying to please this person or please that person or, or follow through with what seems like, you know, the right choice, marrying someone when, you know, he doesn't feel right. It's, there's a lot going on. And I think what the, when we don't address that internal battle, it, it compounds and it makes things worse. I, I just can't help but imagine that there's this burden and then things are piling on top of it that haven't been addressed, that need to be worked down from the top all the way through. So I don't know. Do you have any advice? I, I First, I, I, I plead with our listeners, if someone is assaulted, let's not judge them. The fault is with the perpetrator and not the victim. I'd love to start there. And then, and then Poonam, do you have any suggestions for someone who has been through that to be able to help feel clean and worthy again? Because that's so, so hard. Yeah, so my assault took place by another boy at school, but it took place pretty much publicly. Um, so I didn't really? have to just deal with the ramifications of that. I had to deal with, um, the judgments and you can, you can only appreciate how nasty teenagers can be. Um, so I agree with you, Linda, it is compounded, but for somebody who's in that position, whether you're, a, whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager or you're an adult, it does carry a burden with you that is very hard to shake unless you've dealt with it and dealt with it in a way in which whichever resonates with you. So for instance, I discuss my safe method, which very briefly, Linda, if I could go into what the safe method is yes, please. to help me get through things. Thank you. So the safe method is, you know, we kick in, we tend to in situations such as assault, um, abuse, whatever it may be, we tend to kick into survival mode and we tend to pretend like it didn't happen, um, we're not affected by it and we pulled up our socks and we're fine. And I used to think this was very specific to the Indian community, but I don't think it is. The more and more I speak to people um, and in my 
legal profession, the more and more I deal with different things, um, I think it's across the board that we kick into survival mode. We shove things under the rug and we get on with life and we pretend this didn't happen. But part, the reason I, I go back to the safe method is one of the biggest four steps to healing is to the S in the safe, which is stop and accept that you're in pain. A lot of us won't do that. We'll go on the hamster wheel, we'll continue going to work, we'll watch the movie, we'll go out partying, we'll drink. We'll do everything else but stop and not and acknowledge that we're in pain. And the A is accept responsibility for where you are and the decisions that you've made. And I want to clean, I want to clarify something. I do not mean that you are to blame for the sexual assault or the abuse or anything else that may have happened. But we do have a part to play in it. So for instance, my part to play in it was that I didn't stop and accept that I had pain. I didn't acknowledge that I was hurting. I didn't acknowledge that I was feeling less than, which compounded for decades in my life and made me make one decision after another decision that was not truly aligned with me and that was not correct. And the F in safe is forgiveness. And I talk about three types of forgiveness. The forgiveness of the other person. And I, I, I come from a very selfish standpoint of view. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for myself. It's so that I'm not captive by what has happened to me. And I'm able to be, truly forgive and move forward. That can take weeks in certain situations that can take months or even years in different situations the other type of forgiveness i talk about is forgiveness of the universe because you feel that you've been dealt a crappy set of cards um and we as human beings tend to compare instead of understanding that these are our lessons to learn for whatever reason we have to go through these things, variety of things, and pick up the lessons that we need to learn. And the third forgiveness I talk about is forgiveness of oneself. And that is one of the hardest things to do in the world, to forgive yourself for, for the judgments that you make about yourself or the mistakes that we've made. And the E I discuss is embracing your, embracing your journey. And what I mean by that is we're all great at taking accolades about the good things that we do in life. But how many of us are ready to accept our flaws and say, this is the whole part of me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm going to embrace all of this and move forward with my journey. And to go back to your point, Linda, I think one of the most important things in a healing process is to stop and acknowledge that you are hurting. And at what point were you able to recognize, hey, I'm hurting. There's something wrong here. I didn't listen. I, I didn't listen to the universe. I didn't listen to what was going on inside me. I didn't, honestly, I didn't realize I was even in pain till I was 38 years old. It was much easier to pretend that I had this perfect life with my husband and my two kids. I was a lawyer. I had passed the two bar exams. It was much easier to continue with life and pretend everything was perfect rather than stop and acknowledge that I was in pain. And it honestly didn't happen till my health took such a severe turn um, 
in which I had no other choice but to accept that I really was hurting. And you know, that's interesting. We have this this mind-body connection. And I'm not f- sure if you're familiar with the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. But this is something that, that didn't used to be known, where you, know, you, you try to keep things separate in little bento boxes, like your emotional health is here, and your physical health is here, and your mental health is over here. And what, what he has, through his research and through his life's mission, is made those connections about how things, how things fit together and how our trauma in particular, because that's what he studies, how it affects our bodies and how it is stored in our bodies and how it is manifest in our bodies. They used to talk about the word psychosomatic, and it was used as a term of, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, sweetheart. It's just all in your head. And now the understanding of that mind-body connection is psychosomatic means, no, the things that you deal with are manifest physically in your body. And if you don't listen, and if you don't take care of it, then your body is going to speak louder and louder and louder until you listen and until you do something. And sometimes, even if we deal with those physical issues, it doesn't mean that we make that connection and realize that it has anything to do with what we've gone through. But your body's still saying, listen to me, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Linda, I 100% agree, and I actually do touch on it in my book about the concept of or, or the disease fibromyalgia. People used to think that, that that was not really a disease. It's only recently that they've linked it to trauma and understand that there it is a physical manifestation of emotional trauma. But I think one of the things if I'm going to be very honest, and that's why I wrote the book, but one of the things that I think, even if there is physical manifestation, because of the judgments that we as a society put on mental health, and because of the judgments we put on somebody being depressed, you almost feel less than if you admit that it's my emotional trauma that is causing this. I agree with you completely. We're, we're improving, but man, we have a long way to go. We are allowed to break our leg or, or have some kind of physical ailment, and there is, there's no judgment. It's just, oh, okay, well, let's take care of that, and you need to heal. But as soon as there's a mental or emotional component, people think, oh, you're weak. You, you can't handle it. There's something. So I, maybe that's part of why we have this mind-body connection where it's like, well, if you're not going to listen up here, let's, let's speak in some language that you're going to listen to. Because when you are so sick that you can't get out of bed, you're going to listen, or at least you're going to take a break, or you're going to do something that's a little bit different. I think it's interesting as you're talking, and we, we kind of live in this state of denial. And there's that, those process of the stages of grief, that process of, of grief where they start with denial, and the second part is anger, and then bargaining, and then I can't remember the other two, acceptance is the end. But uh, it seems that when we deal with something of trauma, we go through a similar process, and most of us stay in one of those first two steps. We might live our entire life in a stage of denial. It didn't happen, I'm fine. Or it did happen, but I'm fine, you know? And then if we can get a little bit past that, we might be angry and just angry, angry, angry all the time. Like you said, the universe has given me a crappy deal and I don't appreciate it and everything is stinky. 
And we just stay in those two spots instead of working our way all the way through so that we can have that acceptance, as you talked about, where, you know, this happened. This is part of me. This is part of my story. I think sometimes people think if I'm going to accept it, that means I have to live in pain and misery all the time. And that's not really what we're going for. It's no, 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 no. Let's get rid of the pain and just say, okay, here we are. I agree. What you describe is something that I call the self-righteous victim, right? So there were moments in my life, and I'm sure plenty of other people have them, where I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm this way or I'm angry because this happened to me and that happened to me, and that just justifies where I am in life, right? And you keep replaying that same thing in your head to justify the self-righteous victim, whereas if you, as you said, accept that I have a little bit of responsibility of where I am for not listening to my intuition, for not listening or standing up for what I believe in, at that moment, the minute that you do that, you have to make a change. And making a change is the hardest thing in the world. It is. It is a hard thing. And I think it's important as we talk about that accepting, that we are accepting the responsibility for our healing, that we are not accepting necessarily the responsibility for things that happen to us that are out of our control. Sometimes there are things that we did uh, make a bad choice or allowed uh, something to continue that we should have stopped. But as a general rule, when we're talking about that acceptance, it is my responsibility to heal. No one else can do that for me. Um, there are some things that we have to do ourselves. So let's talk a little bit about getting our power back and coming out of that victim mentality. Because it's so, it's interesting, whatever state we're in, I mean, when you're in a victim mentality, you don't realize you're making excuses. What you think is, no, you don't understand. I am helpless and it's everybody else's fault and woe is me. And, And you honestly, truly believe that. And it's, challenging to be able to climb out of that place. So how do we get our power back? How do we get out of that victim mentality? So the way to get, in my mind, to get out of the victim mentality is through the safe method. Accept responsibility, as you said, for your healing, for the decisions that you've made, and find what works for you. So once you've accepted that, you move forward and I had to try out a variety of things. I went to therapy, it didn't work for me, and I don't mean to knock therapists at all because they play a a huge role in people's lives. But for me personally, it was just repeating the same movie again and again, and every time I'd ask anyone, well, how do I move forward from this? I didn't really feel like I'd get the right answer. So I went in search for my own answers. And part of my healing was a lot of journaling, and it was a relationship, what I call honeymooning with myself. And I don't mean that in any perverse way. What I mean is it's me and myself sitting down with a pen to paper and truly saying all the things that I feel about anyone and anything and any situation that's in my life and writing it down because there's no judgment there. And it's almost like emptying out my insights and just saying, This is what I feel. And when you see it on paper and you've had the opportunity to vocalize it in whatever form you've seen fit, there's a release, there's a liberation of saying, 
okay, this has happened, but now what do I want? Do I want to live in that past or do I want to move forward? And do I truly want to live a beautiful life, that, this beautiful life that we've been given? And I think when you slowly start to see that mind shift, is when you start to slowly appreciate the very small things in life, whether it's the birds flocking in the sky or whether it's the sun outside, things that I've never appreciated in my life, that I used to get up, put my hood on in the winter and go out and do you know, whatever I needed to do because I was on that hamster wheel. But now I wake up, I'm grateful. I woke up as corny as it sounds. I'm grateful for when I step out and I see the flock of birds. I'm grateful for all the tiny and the big things that have happened in my life. And when you see that shift slowly happen, your healing is taking place. And it's not something that happens overnight. So, Linda, it's the same concept that I say, right, about working out. You don't lose 10 pounds in two weeks if you do it correctly. You have to constantly work at it. It's a constant work in progress. Likewise, our emotional well-being, it's meditation, it may be journaling, it may be therapy does work for you. It's taking those small steps to help yourself and also appreciate yourself and also understand that we are the core in everything around us. If we're not okay, then the way that we perceive things is not okay either. That is so true. How beautiful. So as I'm listening to you talk about the things that worked for you through this safe system, it feels like the safe system provides your, your framework, your parameter for the way to view things. And then those action steps are a process of journaling, gratitude, meditation. So those are some specific things that we can do. Because making that mind shift like you're talking about doesn't happen overnight. And the attitudes and the ideas that we have are very, very deeply entrenched. And it doesn't change overnight. But as we do those small and simple things on a consistent basis, then things look differently. I love your description of when I wake up, I, I hear the birds. I notice things that I didn't notice before. There's a different way of seeing things and a different way of feeling about things where it is a beautiful life. All this beauty that was there, but it's so easy to not even notice. So how lovely, how lovely that you're able to do all of these things. Now in your book, do you mention these processes of, of these action steps that you take within this safe system to help feel emotionally safe? I, I do. I, I go through each. I go through the S, the A, F, and E, and I talk about the things that have worked for me and in taking those action steps. And I've also been, at least I feel that I've tried to be as clear as I can about the fact that it depends. It, you don't need to go through huge emotional trauma to be able to use this step. So I've used it during COVID when I was it, when we first hit the pandemic and I was frantic about my business, you know, things started to slow down for a month and I was like, oh my God, I had sleepless nights for three days and I, was, I haven't had a sleepless night in eight years now since I've been through this journey and it was very, I felt very not aligned with myself and I had, I used it 
And believe it or not, within two weeks, things started to shift around because I stopped myself in my tracks before it got very bad. And I, and it was just a mindset shift. Okay, this is what's happening, but how can I help to improve the situation? And I did pivot my business and I did change the way I was doing things to adapt to the circumstances. But I think if I got caught up in that survival mode, and I caught up, got caught up with, oh my God, what's happening? The world is falling apart, this and that. I would have gotten stuck there and I wouldn't have shifted. So I use it a lot. I have a very good friend of mine who um, in one of, there was a story in the news, a big story last year, and she had used it. She lived three miles away from the George Floyd incident and she had used it during that time and she texted me and she said hey we're using the safe method to get through this so it i describe the safe method like a movie it resonates with some people it doesn't with others but to me even if it resonates with a few it makes my story and my journey worth it that is beautiful and i loved many of the things that you mentioned or those little topics you brought up one is that it doesn't take a major trauma to have to uh, have value in using this safe system in becoming emotionally safe because trauma can be one big thing or a thousand tiny cuts. And I also liked how you said you stopped it before it got deep. Sometimes when we have a situation, it kind of spirals down. And then if we, if we allow it, we can fall further and further into a deep pit. And the thing about climbing out is the closer you are to the top, the shorter amount of time it takes to pull yourself out again. Where if you allow yourself to go all the way down to the bottom of this pit, then it takes more time and more effort to be able to pull back out. So excellent words of wisdom. I think that idea of feeling emotionally safe, safety is our primary need. And a lot of times we think of our physical safety as being a primary need, and it is, but our emotional safety is also just, it is a primary need. And how marvelous that you have gone through this process and being able to write it down, organize it in a way that resonates with this particular demographic, whether it be a little or a lot, doesn't matter, but this can help people feel emotionally safe. So thank you for what you have created. Thank you for what you have become. And thank you for visiting with me today. Thank you, Linda. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you do. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Steve Maraboli. He said, The truth is, unless you let go, unless you forgive yourself, Unless you forgive the situation, unless you realize that the situation is over, you cannot move forward. If you have experienced trauma in your life, I invite you to become more than a survivor. I invite you to move forward by following a path that leads to healing, happiness, and personal freedom. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org. 
For free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.